It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. We're here today with Matt Young, who's Director of Curriculum for uh, Summit ESC, and we really appreciate his time here today during this terrible pandemic time, and uh, thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thank you, uh, Dr. Silverberg, for having me. Absolutely. Let's jump right into this here. What is it that you'd like to share? What's your point of view on this? And, and how do we get on the right track? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I've had a lot of people, you know, approach me about, you know, what do you think about this? What are your reflective thoughts on it? And, uh, you know, for, first and foremost, I, I hope everybody's safe and I hope everybody's well. Uh, that's, that's really at the forefront of all of this is the health and safety of, of every, every human being. So, I just want to put that out there to, to start with. And, and it's, it's tough to uh, now try to go on as business as usual when we're not uh, using usual means. So, um, you know, it was, it was interesting. Right before all of this hit, I was reading the book, uh, Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with it. And uh, in a nutshell, basically says that, that certain things are finite and they have finite rules and everybody knows how to play by the rules and everybody accepts the outcomes and other things are infinite and there is no winning. And, and education is one of those things. You, you don't win at education. You don't say, well, we won the school year or we won at state testing or I won the lesson, you know? And as, as we were talking through this in January and February about this infinite mindset, you know, in, in education, uh, it's not a game that's meant to be won. It's something that we have to start, playing the long game with right we have to start thinking into the future we and i tell teachers you know are we preparing kids for our for our past or are we preparing them for their future and and their future uh, is very much technologically connected um it's it's global and and it's not just your traditional you know chalkboards and packets and necessarily everybody coming together and now you fast forward here, here six weeks and we find ourselves, you know, wondering, have we been playing with an infinite mindset? Because when you play by that, let's just go year to year and plan year to year and, and get through this lesson and that lesson. I think you find yourself a little vulnerable when something like this comes up. And so I look at this as, you know, as horrible as this is, it really is an accelerator and a, I think a game changer for our profession uh, to, to really move us forward. Uh, to look at some of the more creative uh, ways that we can engage students um, so, that, so that we can have an influence in how education looks, not just in the next three months, but the next three years, the next three decades, the, you know, the next three centuries, if you will. So it's been, it's been interesting. So that, that changing of the mindset is really, uh, it's really on display right now. So there is a silver lining to all this? Absolutely. There's a silver, silver lining. I mean, this is, this is almost, um, you know, from a professional standpoint, it's almost uh, revolutionary. I mean, 
the, the, the gloves are off and anything is possible at this point. And you are seeing, you are actually seeing that, that emerging out of all of this. You're seeing the unique ways that people are connecting with one another. People are connecting with their students. People are truly thinking about every child, right? We talk about that equity piece and the, and, and the equity piece is really being exposed right now too, where we have to question you know, what are the fundamentals of life in the 21st century? You know, we've always said you have to have food, water, clothing, and shelter. Now you have some saying, well, you also need to have a computer and Wi-Fi in the house so that every person uh, can continue to function even when you have uh, a tragedy like this. So you may have to wonder if, if that is now one of those fundamental pieces because it's the haves and the have-nots right now that a lot of people are struggling with. How is the ESC approaching that challenge? Well, you know, one of the things that we're doing, uh, you know, we're holding, we have a series of meetings we're holding every week. We're holding them with curriculum directors. We're holding them with uh, teachers. We're holding them with administrators. Basically, if you, you think of it as, as, uh, as office hours, every week where we get people uh, through means like Zoom or Google Hangouts uh, to come together. And from an ESC standpoint, we're out collecting all the information. We're trying to bring clarity to what some of these adjustments need to be, whether it's procedural or whether it's just getting used to some of the technological means, but we're bringing people together to share uh, what are their, their challenges, what are their successes, and allowing them to network and problem solve with one another through these virtual means. In fact, I'll, I think my schedule's busier now than it was before. Um, just because we, we are running so many of these, these meetings every week. So, you know, we are truly in a servant leadership mode right now where we will do uh, anything that, that we, we can do to support uh, people, meet them where they are and take them that next step. Yeah. And so what about some examples, any specific examples that you're seeing out there of some, some districts or some strategies the ESC is using to, to help people uh, take the next step? Well, you know, like I said, we're running, we're running those meetings and, and, you know, BASA has put together, uh, the superintendents group, they've put together these meetings that are statewide, uh, people coming together. Um, at Summit ESC, we put together a website, uh, that just has all the information because I was finding that I was sending my directors, I was inundating them with updates and emails and, and things like that. So we created just a website, kind of a central hub for anything to do with this, uh, the pandemic and the communication related to it. And you've seen that also out of school districts. They're creating these, these hubs for their people to go to, to kind of to, to concentrate where um, the information is and where the resources are. Um, I, think, I think the networking piece has been fantastic. I, I think that's, if, if you look at, we talk about resources, that I'm getting inundated with all these virtual learning software emails every day, you know, and, and people are offering things for free for, for a while, but really the best resources are one another and, and using the resources that are in the school districts themselves. If, if you're a Google classroom school, you see, you see school districts really uh, working together and focusing on that, that Google classroom platform. Um, but, but the networking piece has, has been phenomenal because people are sharing their ideas. They're, they're, they're not worried about the proprietary nature of things. They're like, hey, please take this. If you can use it and share it, um, it's fantastic. I mean, we've seen morning announcements uh, through, through, uh, through YouTube, you know, in some of your elementary schools. We, 
we've seen um, uh, these virtual uh, spirit weeks and you've got principals driving all over their school districts and they're, they're, there's, if they see something really cool in the kid's yard, you know, they take a picture and, and they give the kid a prize at, at some point, you know, you get these spirit weeks going on. Um, you've got, you've got superintendents reading to their, to their kids, uh, students in the district every night. Um, it's just, it's, it's really been, um, it's really been nice to see people unite together. That, that's been a huge thing is, is the using of one another. We're our best resources. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about both the hope part of this, that there's a hopeful part of this and there's a kind of an entrepreneurial industrious creative part of this. That's I think um, a lot of people have talked about how education has not really made that next step. And I hear that through a lot of what you're saying, how prepared do you think that districts and ESC um, are in terms of their own capacity to move so quickly and to evolve so quickly? Well, I think, you know, I know you had asked me at one point, like, what are the challenges? And I think that equity piece is, is creating a challenge for people's ability to mobilize. Um, I talked to a, a colleague in Southeast Ohio and asked how they were dealing with students who don't have transportation, they don't have food, they don't have um, technology. And, and, and they're they're putting everything on a school bus and they're running normal school bus routes to deliver food every day to their kids because uh, they're so impoverished in, in some parts of the in some parts of the state. And then you have others who have who have really been doing hybrid learning. You know, they've done flipped classrooms. Uh, they they have uh, learning management systems uh, that have allowed them to uh, kind of take that leap forward. And, and they're looking at they're in year three, year four, year five of this, while you have some people who still can't even get uh, internet access to their kids. So people are, I think the important thing is that everybody has to take, just take a step back, take a deep breath, focus on, you know, the quality that you're providing, not necessarily the quantity. Um, and, you know, you adopt that growth mindset that, that anything is possible if everybody is on board to do it. And, you see people meeting their communities at that level and then moving them forward. Nobody's moving backwards. Everybody is moving forward. And that's what's refreshing to see is, is we've, we're not making excuses anymore. We're saying, here's my problem. Help me solve it. And do you think the meetings that you referred to are opportunities for kind of collaborative coaching for principals or superintendents to talk to each other and share ideas and, and uh, model for each other? And I mean, is that, it sounds like there's a creative, there's a, col a collaborative spirit and all that. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, cause I, I do a lot of teacher evaluations still. And, and one of the things I talk to, to my teachers about is some of the greatest resources you have are being used by the person right next door to you. And, and we've been so reluctant to go in and do peer observations. Uh, we've been so reluctant to um, adopt a coaching mindset where it's okay to take a risk. It's okay to put yourself out there and you're not going to be penalized for it. And I think what you're seeing now is, is some of those, I'm not saying the walls have completely been knocked down, but you can definitely see people are stepping over the walls at this particular point. And, and I think it's important that, even after we come out of this, whether that's, whether that's three weeks from now, three months from now, from now, or 18 months from now, that we continue to move that forward because this isn't the last thing that's going to happen in education. You know, it, I hope it's the last pandemic, but it's not going to be the last thing. It, 
the, the iPhone, when that came out, the smartphone revolutionized education. We, we, we look back on it now and say, oh my goodness, you know, uh, it really changed, uh, changed the world. Um, but this is also going to change our world as well. And it's not going to be the last thing. And we have to continue to evolve. If, if we want to be the primary resource in education, kids are going to learn. And, and what we've seen is that there's a lot out there that says you don't necessarily need a human being to do that. I still think you need the relationship piece, but we have to continue to evolve in order to remain relevant in education, not just through the end of this, but decades, you know, from now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. You think, I hear what you're saying about courage to take risks and it's okay to fail. And those sometimes can feel a little counterculture when people are worried about evaluation, but it is how growth happens, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, with improv for people, anybody that's taken an improv class, uh, you know, you're asked to be, you have to go for it and you can't be too much in your, in your head or in, in educational terms. You can't be too much in the, in the tradition of the pattern, the way we've always done it. And here we are. Um, and, and a part of our hope in putting this series together is it just expands that conversation and embraces those. I mean, we call them best practices, but the truth is many of us are figuring these things out on the fly, but as we learn them, we can share them with each other. Um, are there any other good, uh, resources that you'd like to recommend? You've mentioned a few or any other, um, ideas or directions or topics that you want to point out as we continue to talk here. I just think it's because, because again, we're being inundated with, with resources at this point. I think it's really important that you, you band together with, with people within your own district. You know, you've got, you've got tech directors and ITC people who they are probably right now the, the go-to people because they know how all to make this work uh, efficiently. Um, you know, as I said, there's, there's so much out there. You have to decide what's actually appropriate for you at this particular point. I just think that the human beings, the professionals that, that are available to you right now, I mean, they're out there. If you're not connecting with them, it's, 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 it, it may be because you're choosing not to connect with them because ESCs are doing this. You've got the, the state organizations uh, like BASA, uh, OSBA, OASBO are doing this, OASSA and OAESA are sending out communications to be able to connect with people so that you can figure out either how to, to be 100% technology, some hybrid model, or, or still doing some of the fundamental things. Um, but you know, I, I believe that when all this is said and done, this is, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be remembered more for the courageous leadership And I'm not talking about just people with administrative degrees. I'm talking about anybody who steps up and leads other people forward. I think we're going to be remembered more for that when all this is said and done than we are for uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, So I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing out of, out of people, the, the really the desire to move forward and help one another and to advance the profession. Well, and one of the things that I've seen is that that capacity for leadership, a lot of it comes from one's uh, sourcing, one's own background and life experience. I'm curious, is there anything that, that you'd like to share about what helped you to be in a position of optimism and leadership in this moment? Well, you know, I, I have a fairly comp- competitive spirit overall, you know, and um, I was I was fortunate to to do track and field at Kent State University for four years, and then I was a, a coach, and I taught chemistry and physics, and 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 
kind of my mantra has always been, um, and it really is ever since the day that I remembered I wanted to be a teacher, was that I wanted to help, I wanted to show people a better version of themselves and then help them take those steps to get to that point. And, and that's what I've been living by for all 25 years of my career. I can't remember a time when I didn't say I want to help a person get better at, at what they're doing. And, you know, along the way you hear, you hear great, great quotes. And like the one I love is uh, General Eric Shinsaki, who says, if you dislike change, you'll dislike irrelevance even more. And, you know, that is, that's, that's really been important to me to, um, to ensure that I'm always evolving. Um, it's okay to, it's okay to have routines and it's okay to be static sometimes, but you always have to, you always have to consider how that's fitting with the evolving world around you. And then um, just being able to, you know, take that, that infinite mindset now that, you know, just reframing how I look at education is uh, this is something that's going to last well beyond, you know, your time in education and my time in education. And, and we have to, we have to focus on what is important, uh, adopt that as our just cause, and then we have to continue to evolve for the next generation of teachers and students uh, well down the road. So I think people, you know, people have their own motivations for, for why they step out and they, they want to lead people. And, and mine is just simply, here's a better version. Let's, let's try to get there. Outstanding. Thank you very much. So Matt, uh, if you had a crystal ball, what do you see for the future for education and how do we get there? I see our roles as educators really evolving as facilitators of the learning and, and being able to provide students avenues for either exploring new learning or to put the learning they, they have acquired to the test. You know, I, I, I can, <laughs> it's almost science fiction, you know, when you say it out loud, but I can see schools being places where kids more go to receive uh, the socialization piece, to be part of clubs, to be part of sports, and then to receive more of that specialized instruction, whether it's enrichment opportunities or um, you know, students who, who maybe have some learning disabilities to, to close some gaps there. But, but I can see learning evolving to a more hybrid model where students can do a lot of things at self-paced. You know, you, we've talked about differentiated instruction and uh, kids being able to show truly be able to show multiple means of, of mastery. And I think, I think this is showing that that is actually possible, um, that you may not have to go to school five days a week in a traditional sense, but school will still be there to fulfill the relationship piece. It's going to be so important that we continue to, to foster as a society. So I, I think schools are going to be more learning hubs uh, than they are going to be the traditional brick and mortar. This is where I go six periods a day, five days a week what's fantastic is everybody's searching, right? I mean, this is a, there's no way to run and hide other than we're all trying to be healthy and safe, obviously, as far as the impact on education, we're here, whatever it is, it's happening. Yeah. And, and it seems like at least some of the things I've read up and, and watched on the 5G, when 5G fully hits its full capacity in the idealistic state, that truly every person in the world will have access to the internet. That's the goal of 5G. And um, I don't know when that's actually going to hit, but it's going to be everything from your autonomous cars, right? That go driving down the street and everything's autonomous to a kid in the middle of, you know, the Amazon jungle is going to be able to access the internet very cheaply. That's, that's kind of like the, the goal of 5G from, 
a learning perspective, I think. So we'll see if we get there. And for people that are listening to this and, and want to follow up to any of the, the points that you've mentioned today, can they reach out to you? And if so, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I, they can reach reach me uh, at my work email. It's matty at summitesc.org. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Matt, especially during this uh, challenging and time filled with possibility. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the work you're doing, Dr. Silverberg. This is important for people to um, to have optimism in their life when sometimes they feel like there isn't a lot. And, and this is great work. And I appreciate what you're doing for the, for the profession. You're welcome. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.